Hello everyone, this is Alvaro Cortez Jr. aka Lance Danger welcoming you back to the Serene Chaos Podcast. Thank you all for sharing with me yet another episode. This marks a landmark in the Serene Chaos podcast. This is the fourth episode, making it one episode longer than the original podcast I made. It's also the most consistent I've been producing, making, scheduling these episodes, which has been a ton of fun, and I hope it's been showing in the end product. And speaking of fun, just a small reminder. I am a 15-year veteran making webcomics and indie comics, one half of Truthful Comics, along with Manuel Carmona. You can find all of our web comics, comic books, blogs, and a lot of other stuff at www.truthfulcomics.com. Uh, right now, with the holiday season upon us, by the time this episode is uh, being streamed, um, I have been doing a series of blogs called Hashtag Gift indie where i go over some of my personal favorite indie comics that may make great gifts and also brief interviews with outstanding creators giving their own insights about them creating their own indie comics or their own independent art or books and creations and go over their projects and if you want to check out my own personal stuff you can definitely head over to www.artofalvaro.com where you can find my web comics, my comic books, my more personal blogs, art excerpts of stories that I've written, a lot of cool stuff that will hopefully bring you some entertainment and a little bit of value to whatever you might want to do yourself. Now, on to the rest of the show. This episode is essentially an updated version of the original episode 3 of season 1 of the Serene Chaos podcast. This is basically going on about my art production, behind the scenes talk of how I put together a webcomic, specifically Fred Peterson, the Mighty Warlord. Now, it's almost basically the same process for most of the other web comics that I make and the other comic books, but with slight variations depending on the project. For example, as I mentioned in the previous episode, uh, what I tend to do is a hybrid of the full script method along with the Stan Lee slash Marvel style plot method. 
And just to recap that very briefly, uh, the full script is exactly what it sounds like. It's all the dialogue, all the panels, the page breakdowns, everything already written beforehand, and the Stan Lee method, which is doing basically the plot beats of the story, and then after the plot beats, either yourself or an art team will illustrate the entire story, usually between 18 and 22 pages, and then after the artwork is done, write in the dialogue and fill in any gaps that may have happened in between. So for Warlord, I do the story beats with some important dialogue so I can be aware of the setting, the tone and the mood of the scenes and transitions, as well as how to portray the body language and expressions on the characters. In other words, have the characters be acting and it is huge, in my opinion, to be able to portray the characters as if they were living, breathing human beings that are acting. Mainly because, uh, for as much as I love, emphasis on love, writing, comics are, in the end, a visual media. So it's up to you, as the artist, if you are, in fact, illustrating your own book like I'm doing myself, uh, you have to be aware of using body language and facial expressions to kind of help carry the story in places where words aren't exactly necessary. Uh, don't tell the readers what's happening in the scene or don't tell the readers how the character is feeling in the scene show them what's happening, show what the characters are going through. Uh, there's a time and a place for narration and exposition, but the more a character is able to act through, and the more that the art can show the viewer what's happening, in my opinion, the better. And one thing that has helped me to improve on body language especially is getting pose references. Over the last few years, I tried to have, as a rule of thumb, to have at least one panel that has photo reference. Be it from a book that has pictures, uh, you can go online on the internet, uh, Pinterest if you want to do it from an app. Uh, and also, I've been snapping pictures of myself on my cell phone, having a pose or a facial expression in particular, and it helps me personally to kind of visualize that expression and mood that I want to do. And uh, I'm not going to do the exact same pose or the exact same expression that I'm using, but I'm using it more as a starting point and using it to kind of play around with the possibilities and the exaggerations that you can get away with with this kind of comic book art. And it also helps to add a little more believability and nuance to different scenes as well. So sometimes what I do is that I'll sketch out, for example, a big emotional moment on my sketchbook and I'll keep it in that sketchbook until I illustrate that scene in particular. And how I go about doing the scenes in the comic book is that after I have all my scripts set, uh, I'll take a notebook and I'll start 
thumbnailing everything from the cover all the way up to the end page. It's essentially doing a storyboard of the webcomic. So I can know when to slow down or ramp up the story, uh, where to make a big scene effective, not just as a webcomic, but as a comic when it's eventually made into a print physical copy of the comic as well. On a webcomic, since in most cases, you drop it one page at a time, or maybe three pages at a time, building suspense and anticipation can be much different compared to the experience of actually turning a page one by one when you're holding an actual comic book in your hand. So I bear in mind that the pages and odd numbers in the West, at least, are to your right-hand side. So if you want to effectively surprise a reader, keep in mind to make big scenes or big transitions, big revelations, plot twists, to usually happen on the even-numbered pages, which are on the left side of the comic book or graphic novel of the reader. And on the next page, that's about to turn over. So that way you can have that element of surprise. So I just practically just take a page from the notebook and draw six rectangles in it, representing a full page of the webcomic. Afterwards, I'm going to lay out the panel designs on each individual rectangle representing the panels on those pages because I'm just doing the design and the flow and the pacing of where I want the story to be when I break it down like that. And sometimes I'll actually scribble down little notes and bits of dialogues um, on those rectangles as well, just so I can keep up pace with myself and not get confused and lost with the more minimalist approach of doing these sketches rather than a, flu a full blown page. And once I'm finished thumbnailing all of the pages of my webcomic, it's usually 22 pages as well as also thumbnailing the cover and the title page. I take out some copy paper and I line out the dimensions of how the page would look like when it's actually printed into a comic book. Now for that, what I do is that I went into Clip Studio and I just printed out a page that has all the bleed guidelines onto it, but at a much smaller scale for me to kind of sketch out those scenes. So essentially, I'm just taking the Clip Studio um, for, uh, format that is already preset for a comic book page. And I'm just going to print it out with all the grid lines and the bleed markings for when you print out your comic. Uh, as if you don't know what that term of the bleed line is, it's essentially the line where the page is telling you that if you put any illustration or any dialogue past this certain point, uh, when it's going to be printed, um, that machine is going to be cutting right on that line. So it's important to not have dialogue reaching towards that end of the line, or especially also important bits of art that could be cut off as well. 
So I use that as a guideline and I sketch on that paper, essentially using it as storyboard uh, paper. And once I do that, I'll pencil sketch the page. Then I scan it into the computer and then do the rest in Clip Studio, such as the full pencils, inking, coloring, effects, and lettering. If you are all curious to actually see that process, I may show how I do a page from start to finish as a time-lapse video on my YouTube channel or something. Um, I do have other time-lapse videos of doing artwork on my YouTube channel. So if you are curious about that as well, you can definitely go to youtube.com slash Lance Danger, or you can just search Lance Danger on the YouTube search as well. And uh, you'll see me pop up my icon on YouTube is that green kind of like warning danger sign with a exclamation point in the middle. So that aside, once that all that is done, I saved two versions of the comic book page, a print friendly high resolution page that I can later use to put it together to do the print version of the comic and a lower resolution web friendly version that I upload to a web comic hosting site like uh, the Duck Web Comic and also to uh, the Truthful Comics and the Art of Alvaro uh, websites as well. And uh, again, there is a big difference between putting a high resolution and a low resolution on either or of those uh, spectrums. For example, like I have said before in other videos and other podcasts, um, Fred Peterson, the Mighty Warlord, the reason is that there are no other uh, print comics after the original run that I printed out of the prologue, the webisodes, the webisodes and issues one and two is because the original artwork got destroyed uh, by accident and natural disasters. And um, the computers where I had all the files and the CDs that I had all the files burned into um, also got destroyed in those same natural disaster scenarios. So the only thing I have available would be the low resolution web friendly pages that are out there uh, on the internet. Now I could use those pages that are web friendly and blow them up so it can be uh, printed, but the print quality is going to look very blurry and pixelated because you're essentially expanding uh, image that if you were to print the actual size, it's probably just going to be a small corner of your paper and you're going to blow that up into a full size paper that's essentially using like a quarter, maybe less of the paper and just ballooning it up it is going to lose a lot of that line quality and that color quality as well, especially since it's JPEG files. If, if it was something that was done like an illustrator and it was a vector file, which can be expanded and it won't lose that much resolution, it would have been fine. But 
I respect my readers too much like to put up something that's very low quality. You know, if somebody's going to pay to read a comic that I made, I am going to make sure that it's going to be the best possible product that I'm going to put out there. And I'm not going to settle for less in that aspect, at least. And then on the other end, I try to avoid putting high resolution images online unless it is on my Patreon where you would have to go behind a paywall to download the high resolution because if you print only the high resolution images, it makes it a lot easier for people to just download and pirate and scalp your art and pretty much a lot of art theft happens that way. People claiming to be you or perhaps uh, taking an illustration that you made and passing it off as one of theirs or uh, even tracing over it and do minor alterations. Uh, you don't want to hand them on the silver platter a high resolution image where they can, you know, feast upon it. Uh, put out a low resolution image that will look well enough that the reader can see and understand uh, the artwork and the lettering and you and it varies for how you you're feeling comfortable with the size you can definitely make different sizes and then you can post it like either in a private site or just post it in a web comic hosting site but delete it afterwards and just kind of compare and see which size is more comfortable for you as a reader. So you have to kind of put yourself in the reader's shoes as well to see what's more comfortable that the lettering isn't too small or too big. That it's just right that a person can just read it smoothly and that also your art is as crisp and clear as possible as well. So you have to keep that in mind too. Um, keep both the print version of the comic happy with a nice high resolution artwork and of course the webcomic reading community happy with low resolution images that are easy to read and easy to follow as well. So in a nutshell that's pretty much the process of how I do at least Fred Peterson the Mighty Warlord. Of course, as I said in the beginning, this process varies from project to project. Like, the things that I do for Fred Peterson, The Mighty Warlord, is not the same for something like a um, autobiographical webcomic strip, like Nevermind, which is more of a page-a-day gag kind of thing, and also it's a much smaller scope as well. And that's not even uh, talking about formatting your a webcomic into a format like Webtoons, for example. Uh, that's a whole other conversation because with Webtoons, contrary to like, I guess you can now call it the traditional um, old school way of reading web comics, which is uh, clicking on the page or clicking on an arrow, clicking on a link to just go on to the next page. Relatively similar how you uh, turn the page of a book. With webtoons and 
apps that are similar to it, um, you have to actually scroll down a continuous page that's usually on smart devices like cell phones and tablets, iPads. So Webtoons really takes advantage of the functionality of touchscreens. <laughs> but I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Soon. Very soon. Wink, wink. And with that, that will be all for this episode. Once again, I thank you all so much for listening. And if you yourself are a creative and you have a different process to do your creations, never hesitate to share your experiences and your process as well. And if you're doing comics or web comics for the first time or you're just about to start doing one, uh, I hope that everything that I've been talking about has been of some value to you. And if there's one more thing I can add, which is something that I made a lot of focus on before on the older episodes as well, is for you to have fun. Have fun with it. As I stated before in those old recordings as well, Sometimes you just have to be that little kid again that would grab a crayon and not give a damn of what, about what anyone else says. You're just going to have fun, open up a world of imagination with that crayon and just get lost in the moment. That is the greatest sensation in the world, in my opinion, to just free your mind and have it be surrounded by creativity and then take that and realize it into physical form, whether that be on a piece of paper, whether it's a canvas, whether it's a digital canvas. Just go out there, create, and have fun. Because sometimes with everything that happens in our lives, we just kind of forget to have fun and kind of cater to our own little kid that lives inside us that sometimes we don't really listen to due to the outside noise. Well, when you create, that is time for you to just kind of reflect and have a conversation with that kid and let the fun out, man. Thank you all for listening. And until next time, stay creative, my friends.